Welcome to the Neo News Today podcast. This is your host, Dylan, speaking with you. In today's episode, we had a chance to sit down and speak with Malcolm, also known as Malkazoid, one of the three new co-owners of the Narrative Platform. As you may recall, in December 2019, the Narrative Company announced it was sunsetting its platform, citing a variety of factors. Then, just the next month, in January 2020, Narrative had announced that they were selling certain Narrative assets to a newly formed company. That company was the incorporation of Malcolm along with two other current Narrative members, Zach, also known as Banter, and Natalia, also known as Siroc. In today's episode of the podcast, we discuss the backgrounds of all three of the co-owners and their histories of being early members in the narrative community. We talk about the sunset of the old narrative platform and the new co-owners process of incorporation. Then we touch upon the rebranding and current renaming process of narrative, address the viability of the platform to sustain itself took a cursory look into the new NERV token distribution and reward program, discussed Malcolm's perspective of the NEO blockchain, and discussed some of the expectations that users can have when the new narrative platform relaunches. So I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. So... We're here with uh, with Malcolm from the New Narrative Project, and I think Malcolm, uh, first and foremost, uh, has earned the most patient Neo News Today podcast uh, guest. <laughs> this is our third go around. We've been having technical issues, so thank you for joining the podcast today, Malcolm. It's a pleasure, man. And look, we'll, we'll do it as many times as it takes. <laughs> so before we kind of um, jump into narrative and um, and you and your or your team, I did a little background research on you. And, and in our previous conversations, you said you you're a documentary filmmaker, but that you also worked on other films. So is it is it true that you've worked on Lord of the Rings and, and Avatar and iRobot? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so it, what, what sort of work was that? Were you doing sort of like graphic design, animation? Yeah, it was visual effects work. So, um, I mean, on the different uh, different projects, I had different roles. But probably the most fun was the crowd simulation work with a, a piece of software called Massive, um, which was kind of a, using AI to get different behaviors out of um, various character types so you can get massive army scenes where it feels like all the soldiers are doing something uh unique and and kind of according to their own whims and desires and and wants very cool so how is it that coming from a sort of uh visual um graphic mentality that you ended up in the narrative ecosystem uh first and foremost as just somebody who was um a member of the community Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So I think that you'll find some overlap in the answer to that for all three of our team members. Um, so we're, we're interested in a wide variety of things. I think there's, there's a lot of intellectual curiosity uh, on our team and also in the early adopters of the platform, which is part of what made for such a compelling experience joining Narrative and perhaps why the community has survived the hiccups so far 
Um, there's, we've just really fallen in love with the people we've met through through um, the, the project. And, and that's powerful. That's something I haven't experienced on other platforms, not to say that I'm on every platform, but, um, but yeah, that's a, a definite plus. Um, so I came to the, the project simply through the ICO. I was like, oh, okay, there's such a thing as an ICO. There's all these ICOs out there um, with all kinds of different projects. And, you know, 90% of them seem to be, to be um, really not worth considering um, and to not have a, a, a real use case. Other ones, I didn't like the presentation, um, but narrative seemed uh, like it had legs, and I, I enjoyed the white paper. I felt like um, there were some really neat new ideas being thrown into the mix, um, and that impression increased as I participated in the ICO and then became a member of the community and then a very committed member of the community and started spending more time than, than I, I would have imagined um, dialoguing with the community and trying to help the ideas snowball. Uh, towards the launch, um, I, I just my belief in in where it was heading grew and grew, and, mm-hmm. and that remains to this day. Yeah, something that I two things I always really liked about the narrative project was the day after its public token sale concluded, they launched the alpha version of the platform, and uh-huh. secondly, they the, the 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 project onboarded non blockchain users. It's folks who wanted to, to share their stories and to write and maybe not necessarily someone who like you or I were interested in cryptocurrencies or what was going on in 2017 and 2018. Exactly right. And that remains appealing to us and it's going to remain central in our vision is that sure. I mean, you know, I like cryptocurrency. I believe in cryptocurrency. I think that it's going to do good things for humanity and already is. Um, but I feel like the core interest of narratives has nothing to do with cryptocurrency. And so I want that content to continue for it to be attractive to people um, who don't know anything about crypto and who might be surprised to learn maybe even um, after using it for a few days or weeks that, oh, um, there's crypto under the hood. That's interesting. I'm a crypto user now. I didn't even realize that happened. You know, that, that would be kind of cool. Absolutely. And so uh, your other two co-owners have very unique backgrounds and are quite technical themselves. So could you share a little bit more information about them? Absolutely. So uh, I guess I'll start with Serok. Um, She came to the platform because she wanted to do more writing that year. But her track record has been in tech since way back when. She was involved um, with key punch technology, and that's not going to mean a lot to some people, but that was when you actually punched a physical card when you, you got to work mm-hmm. and that put information into the system about who you were, what time you clocked in, that kind of thing. She was involved in microfilm, then in mainframe programming, then in web apps and has, has led development teams. Um, but yeah, her, her interest when she came to narrative wasn't really in any of those arenas. She, she just fell in love with the community when she came to share her writing. Now, Zach um, joined the project uh, because he's friends with the CTO of the narrative company. So that's the former company that, mm-hmm. was, uh, that started out and developed the project um, and was leading it up until uh, a month ago. And so uh, Brian Lentz, that CTO and um, 
uh, Zach went to high school together. And so Zach ended up doing some front-end development for the narrative project. And so that's how he got involved. But likewise, he, he really just started to enjoy the community aspect. And, and I think that that's a real light motive with all of us as team members and also the people who are still on board with the projects, despite the fact that it's sunsetted and won't, it won't be online for quite a while until we get it up and running again. The strength of the community has kept us together. Absolutely. And so I'm wondering if the three of you sort of amalgamated um, to on, on your own accord or did the community kind of push you guys to, to get together? What was the incorporation process like? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a crazy story. Um, to say the least, none of us could have guessed that any of this was going to happen. Um, you know, the, the sunset was quite a surprise. Um, and then before we knew it, we were just all kind of trying, trying to try to find ways to avoid the worst case scenario, which is that the project dies completely. None of us have wanted to see that happen. Um, and so we started out by proposing, hey, could this become an open source project? Then at least there's a chance of somebody picking up the code and continuing with it. And so that idea gained momentum. And to the credit of the, of the narrative company, they had to do quite a lot of work to make that possible. They went ahead and did that. And so on the strength of that, we then thought, well, okay, now it would be good to salvage the stuff that we've all done together as a community, which is embodied on the data that's on the platform. So in order to do that, the narrative company had to sell those assets to a legal entity. So we, we had somebody had to step up and incorporate. Um, and, and then that happened quite organically. I, I think that um, Zach and... Uh, and Natalia and I gravitated towards each other um, because we'd been interfacing already and, and knew our viewpoints on a lot of things and knew we were committed. Um, and we just weren't ready to, to let those things fall by the wayside. So we started having calls in earnest about whether we were going to do this or not. You know, can we fit this into our family lives? Is this you know, compatible with our life plans and, and all of those sorts of, of questions. And we decided, yeah, we're going to, we're going to give it a go. And so we incorporated and bought the assets and um, here we are. So the new narrative is going to be renamed soon. Um, so would you like to tell us a little bit about what the rebranding process looks like, how you guys are choosing the new name and maybe what the next steps are? Yes. Okay. So the rebranding, first and foremost, is quite important to us um, because we want a bit of a clean slate. There's a lot of things that we love about the old narrative and that you'll recognize when the platform relaunches. Uh, but there are some things that are going to change that we believe need to change. And so to avoid confusion, we really want people to not identify the new platform with the old one unless they know the history mm -hmm. so that people don't, you know, say, hey, but where's this? Or didn't the spec used to say this? No, it's a fresh start um, uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, so the process of rebranding is interesting because, uh, um, of course, there's pressure because this project already existed and we would like for it to exist again as soon as possible and the community wants to see it uh, resurrect as soon as possible. Um, there is the temptation to kind of skip ahead with the branding process and just choose any old name. Um, but of course, there is power to a name and we want to give a bit of time to it. So 
you know, you know how it is. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has different criteria for what makes a good name. There's the whole, you know, do you go for a .com or for one of the other extensions, and does it matter? Um, so we're, we're making our way through all of those things, and uh, we hope to have our name soon. Very cool. Um, in the recent email blast that the new narrative team sent out, um, there was there was mention of some existing and known bugs and issues. Would you um, uh-huh. could you provide a little bit more insight into certain things that Zach is already chasing down? Yeah. So the the one that leaps to mind right now was in the payouts and the reward. Um, calculations. There was just a small glitch, which I think we may have already tracked down. Um, and I think there is another bug, but Zach, Zach would be on top of what that is. But beyond the ones that we've heard of, and there's only a couple, I'm sure that there's many, many more. We've got a lot of uh, work ahead of us. And uh, once Zach has familiarized himself with all the code, uh, we're going to have to find a, a good strategy for shoring up the existing functionality, but then finding the right way to graft on and modify things in the ways we see fit for the platform to be viable and sustainable going forward. So speaking of uh, viability for the platform, something that uh, Narrative had on, the old Narrative company had on its roadmap was the launch of publications, which of course was going to be um, associated eventually with some sort of ad or revenue that was going to be derived from launching that functionality. And in Mm -hmm. one of the first email releases that uh, the the new co-owners released, there was uh, mention that there's going to be um, some sort of focus on deriving revenue as soon as possible. So as it stands today, what are some of the areas that you and the rest of the team are considering um, in terms of membership fees or anything like that? Excellent question. So yeah, viability um, is probably our, our biggest concern. Uh, we all had sustainability concerns about the old platform. And so there's a number of fronts on which that needs to be tackled. Uh, but to answer the question via publications, the publications was released before the, um, the platform sunsetted as a pretty bare bones uh, feature, but it works. Uh, so we have a, a creative way in which we're going to incorporate that functionality into the platform to address uh, some other issues. And I, I'm not going to get into all of that yet. We'll maintain a little bit of an aura of mystery around that, but you will see publications in some form in the new platform. Um, in terms of viability, uh, there was early on quite a big concern that um, we were paying initially, we were paying out um, some healthy rewards on the platform, uh, but a lot of that was based on uh, minting, uh, so basically um, subsidizing the rewards. And uh, we were allowing people to redeem those rewards and naturally because they didn't have ways to feed it back into the system necessarily or not a lot of ways, uh, they were then selling that and so the token devalued rather rapidly over time. Um, And that's one of the biggest things we need to fix before we launch. And uh, one of the ways we're going to go about doing that is that we are going to restrict um, token redemptions uh, at the outset. And we're going to increase how much you can redeem over time 
in pace with the inputs into the economy. So we're not going to get ahead of ourselves on that level. And we're going to be very protective in that way of the token value so that there can be a bit of stability there. And yes, it's going to mean, you know, a bit of a, a less exciting reward experience at the beginning. But only if you look at it in terms of how many dollars you're receiving every month, if you look at it in terms of sustainability of the project and the excitement of receiving real rewards that are going to be there month after month and are probably going to grow month after month, then I think it's going to be very exciting. Very cool. And maybe this is a a question that you might not be able to answer today, but are there any plans to change the name of the NRVE token or further, are there any plans to integrate um, NEO's utility token gas into the platform? And so those are very interesting topics that you're, you're right. I can't really talk uh, about them this minute. We have no immediate uh, plans to change the name of the NERF token. The NERF token is definitely going to be part of the picture in the new platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're looking at a number of other very exciting options um, that do potentially involve other coins. Um, and it's all going to hopefully feed into this increased viability for the platform, increasing uh, the way we can onboard people, um, make it easier for them to uh, input um, cash into the system and uh, for them to have other ways of using it uh, and just a, a more diversified and, and healthy ecosystem in that sense at launch time. Very cool. Looking forward to, to covering that. Um, is there a tentative time frame for when you and the team are expecting a relaunch? Um, maybe you don't have to be very specific. It could be like quarter two of this year or summertime, or are we still just kind of um, getting our bearings? We're still really just getting our bearings. And I, I want to be very upfront about one thing, and that's that uh, we naturally didn't benefit from an ICO. Um, you know, the, those funds uh, are no longer here. They, they were spent on the previous projects. And we're very lucky to have that code base that was developed with those funds. Uh, but going forwards, we don't have those deep pockets. And so uh, it's going to be quite difficult for us in probably for the next month or two to even begin to answer the question of when we relaunch. We have to do a very thorough study of what we want to relaunch with, what our resources are, and they're quite quite limited right now, um, and what the roads are going to be towards increasing those resources, both in terms of funds and manpower. Uh, so, I, you know, I won't lie that the road ahead is pretty challenging, but it's really exciting at the same time. Absolutely. And, and the brutal honesty is very appreciated. Um, kind of before we wrap up, seeing that, that you guys are continuing to carry forward on the NEO blockchain and that you personally have um, looked into NEO prior to even uh, taking reins of the new project. I just wanted to hear a little bit about your perspective uh, about NEO and why um, the narrative project or the new narrative project um, fits so well on that blockchain. Well, to be honest, uh, I think that there's really no uh, nothing to gain at this point in uh, reinventing that aspect of the platform. Uh, NEO is a good blockchain. It's fast. Um, it, it, it seems to be quite technically stable. I, I've never had a problem with a NEO transaction in the two years that I've been on, on the project. 
Um, I like the wallet. Um, I like the team from the, you know, the few people that I've interfaced with in the foundation. I, I found them to be really great people with good energy. And so um, we have so many things that we have to fix about narrative and so many challenges going forward to relaunch it that um, it really wouldn't make sense to fix something that isn't broken. Um, so that, that, that's, that's the way we, we think about NEO right now. Um, and and that, that isn't to say that we won't have a more inclusive uh, philosophy going forward. And I think that's the way that blockchain is going in general, right? The mm -hmm. different projects are really trying to see how they can link together and communicate and, and just um, help us all grow as a community. Um, and so I think we're going to be thinking along those lines as well. But NEO is a fantastic chain to continue with for now. Awesome. Is there anything that we haven't covered in this conversation that you'd like to mention? Yeah, I, I think, look, in broad terms, uh, what I would say people should expect when we do launch or shortly after when we relaunch is that um, there's a few things that are going to change from the old narrative. And I, I don't want people to be too shocked when that happens, <laughs> even though I think that the, the positive things, you know, people can choose to be shocked about unexpected things. So just to, to give you a little bit of an idea of what to suspect, um, we are, first of all, looking to have a, a bit more quality control. So um, in the past, there was this kind of, dichotomy between decentralization and quality control. Do you just let everybody go nuts and do whatever they want? And then that means that, yes, you have a very decentralized and free-spirited environment, um, but the quality levels will naturally suffer because you, you can't really enforce structure and, 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 and a, a rule for how people set things up. So the niche system, the niche ecosystem suffered quite a bit from that. So we're going to be trying to um, uh, walk a, a line which keeps us decentralized. We have no interest in micromanaging people's um, experiences of the platform on every level, but introducing some quality control so that um, people... Um, so, so, so the platform presents well, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that, that that's something that everyone can benefit from. Uh, moderation was something that the uh, white paper uh, and the, the old spec had in its timeline, but hadn't gotten to and didn't launch with. And uh, that's something that we're pretty keen to get some early version of in before we relaunch. And we have some neat ideas, which I won't get into right now, but um, which are going to allow that to happen without too much development overhead. Um, and so we're quite excited about that. We're also going to revisit a, a lot of the pricing structure around the content economy because we felt like that wasn't sustainable long term either. And we're lucky, you know, there's, there's a blessing and a curse for not having had an ICO. So we don't have several million dollars to spend. But then again, we also don't have an inflated value of the token that we have to try and maintain through an artificially high pricing structure. Um, so now the token is at, is at rock bottom. It can only really go up from here. And so that's going to allow us to have set a lot more realistic pricing. You're going to see the prices of niches go down. You're going to see the prices of publications go down. Um, and so I think that's something people will be pretty happy about. Uh, we're also going to look at potentially not having a one price fits all uh, for niches because we recognize that 
uh, not all niches are going to be as viable as each other. Um, some interest areas are only going to attract a handful of people, whereas others will attract thousands. And so we want to recognize that and not say, okay, your interest area is not economically viable for our platform. So you either pay the $75 or you don't have a niche. We want to be able to include as many stakeholders as we can. And so we're going to create uh, several tiers and a bit of flexibility in uh, how much people pay for, for their niches. So uh, last but not least, um, two, two things that you may recall if you were active on the old platform is spam control. We're, we're definitely going to get that under control before we relaunch because uh, that, that's a major distraction and, and a bit disheartening to folks. And uh, then there's content balance. And this is a huge topic that you could probably do a whole show on. But um, the narrative ecosystem is very open and agnostic when it comes to the type of content that it welcomes. And that poses some unique challenges in terms of you know, how these content types live side by side uh, and how you reward them in a way that recognizes not only effort, but also popularity and actual intrinsic value to the platform. What is going to sustain eyeballs and um, make advertising uh, interesting for our advertisers. Uh, and so we, I can't tell you exactly specifically what we're doing about that, but we have some really neat plans to make this um, open agnostic um, arena that, that the platform is and will continue to be a lot more viable and coherent um, and uh, just rewarding people in a way that they don't feel like, oh my God, you know, I just spent three days writing up this four page post that I researched up the wazoo and then, you know, somebody posted a photo of their cat and, and earned more money than me. And now I feel disgruntled and disheartened, right? Um, yeah. we, we found some, some neat ways of, of still allowing people to post pictures of their cats because that's fantastic too for those who like it. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to make those two, two worlds live better together. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing um, a little bit more about uh, sort of the next step. So what's the best way that people can keep in contact uh, with leadership, with the leadership team and with uh, project updates? Okay. So via the mailing list, via Discord, um, if you believe in the project and if you're excited the way we are to be involved with something from the ground up and in its early days, then come and join us and join the discussion now. Um, it's, there's, there's a lot of kicks to, to be gotten out of seeing things take shape from a, an early phase. We can also do with people who um, want to support us financially. We will be charging membership fees when we relaunch. Uh, they'll be extremely affordable. Um, I can't tell you exactly how much yet, but pennies on the dollar, literally. You, you, you won't feel them leave your wallet. Um, and hopefully you'll get a lot in return for it. But that's something, you know, basically if you want to join the community now and we know that we can count on you when we launch to uh, contribute with um, these small membership fees, it's going to help us have the confidence that we can develop what we need to develop to move forward. Well, I am really excited to follow the progress that the the new you and the new co-owners are going to uh, do for the platform and take it forward. And I want to thank you so much for bearing with me today for having our third call. And um, thank you so much for lending your time to us. I really appreciate it. 
Don't mention it, Dylan, any time, and it was my pleasure. Awesome. Have a great day. Cool, man. Take care. So what did you think of that conversation? I thought it was really cool to hear that Zach was interested in the project because he was friends with Brian Lenz, the former CTO of the narrative company and the individual who developed a lot of the current narrative code base. At the end of the conversation, Malcolm also shared a pretty comprehensive list for next steps for the platform. It seems as if the team has a large task ahead of them, but the passion and drive to get there seems as if it will get them across to the finish line. To keep up to date with ecosystem news, visit www.neonewstoday.com. And also feel free to subscribe to our YouTube, Apple podcast, and Spotify channels to receive the latest Neo News Today podcast episodes as they are released. Your subscriptions really help show your support for the show and also help us to get the word out to more listeners. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Neo News Today podcast, and I look forward to catching you next time. (music) 